I love my church today, and I'm going to continue the, the, the series that we're on this morning, I Love My Church. Most folks have a key, a key ring like this, and every key can look the same, but just one niche of change, and that keeps the key from working in the wrong door. Here are two keys that are very special to me. They both look alike. They're both shaped alike. And they're both cut with, the, with, with exception to one cut in the key. The man who changed the locks in, this do- in the doors of this facility a couple of years ago made and helped me with this set of keys. You see, when you walk, if these keys are just alike and they're to work in this building, you've got to know the one that you need to enter. And I had a helper who made these keys, and if I'm not mistaken, he put the number one on this key, did he not? Did you know that Jesus has a helper, the Holy Spirit, and he wants to number your keys so you'll always have the key to the right door? He put a number one on this because this is the master key. This key will get me anywhere in this church, including any outside door. Any door that I want to enter, it will get me into any place I want to go in this church with the exception of two doors. One door is to the secretary's office, and the other key is to the office that I'm privileged to have. And that key has no number on it. You just have to know if you got the number one key and you got inside out of the weather, there's only one more that looks like that one. And even in the dark, I can find it because they're side by side. This key I know can open Carolyn's door and it can open my door. Jesus says in Matthew, Behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. That is trust. Not everybody has keys to the facility, but there are the, the, those that are, have a necessity to be in the building throughout the week have a master key. But only I, myself and Carolyn, have the one that fits our office doors. Can I say this this morning? We're going to be talking about servanthood. But everybody has a key that calls this their church home. And God wants you to use your key to unlock the door to somebody in our community that doesn't know Jesus. And it doesn't have to happen by bringing them to the church. I went to a home I'd never been into this week, and you'd think living in Chester, I'd been in every home, but there was one that I just didn't feel comfortable in going until I was confronted to go. And I made my way to that home yesterday, and I was greeted at the door in a very unusual way. And I was invited in, and I I was treated like a celebrity. And when I left that house that day, I asked myself, why have I waited so long to ring that doorbell? Listen to me. There's somebody in this community that you have a key to their, their friendship. They trust you. They like what you do. They like where you eat. They like what you eat. They love the coffee you drink. And they love your stories. And you have the key that will unlock the door for Jesus to come in. As we 
look at the message this morning. God has made available great privileges for all of us. But I especially love my church this morning. I've been privileged to to stand in this position or this place of responsibility. There's no positions in this church. We just have different responsibilities. But 40 years comes and goes this year, and it's been an awesome privilege to look across the congregation and see people that I know. I see people, I know where they live, and most people I've been in their homes. I know where they work, and I know most of the time how many children they have, but sometimes I can look them in the face and I can't call their name. It's so aggravating when I was responsible for the, the, the uh, management of 10 store stretch from Oklahoma through Kansas. I could pick up the phone on Monday morning and I could call, begin with ch- store one and I could make a call to all those, those stores. And when the manager picked up the phone, I didn't have to look at my notebook. I could call her by name and I could ask her how the store was doing. But today, that ability has came and gone. But, you know, what we do still have is the fact that we are still depending on the Lord. And the Bible says, in him we live, move, and have our being. And as I was preparing for the message, I thought about the song that, that Jenny and the praise team leads so often, Good, Good Father. And he says, I love you for who you are, not what you do. And I'd like to say to my church family this morning, I love you for who you are, not what you do. And while the world looks on our lives and they judge us by what we can do and the ability that we have and the education that we can support, the area of life that we, we follow, we're looked at and categorized by what we can do and how we can perform. But Jesus came to this earth for a different purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Bible says we were all lost. A man is but a few days of age and he's full of trouble. And as I was preparing for the message, I thought, you know, good, good Father, you give us the ability to have a church family, and you give us the ability to get acquainted with one another, and you give us the ability to have fun at each other's expense, and and you let us have fellowship, and when somebody's in trouble, you give us the ability to pray for each other and lift each other up, especially in discouraging hours. But while we enjoy the presence of the Lord in this in this in this place this morning. There are many people beyond the walls of all churches around our world that are just like you and I, except they have not acquainted themselves with the family of God. And when I think about where we're at today and the life that we're living and the many voices that make control of our mind, Every day there's voices that are speaking and they are looking for minds that are open to listen to see if there's ability to control your mind, especially when we sit in silence. We must learn to discern what the voice of God is all about and and what it's not about. We as family members of the Lord's family can ask the Holy Spirit to give us the spirit of discernment. And listen, it's, if it's a father, God, then it's the son, Jesus. And then there's the one that we don't talk a whole lot about. There's the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he is there to guide us into all truth. And the word says we can know the truth. And the truth it is that sets us free. Many people in our world today are running around in circles trying to obey various voices that's trying to direct their lives. And the result is nothing but fragmented marriages, dysfunctional homes, and 
frustrated patterns of living. Listen, friend, don't fall into that trap. Walk closely with the Holy Spirit each moment of each day. Listen to his voice and listen to the directives. Enjoy his companionship and refuse to allow other spirits to knot up your spirit and cause division and utter confusion in your life. And I said that to say this. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and they hear me. They listen to what I have to say. Bow with me. Father, in the next 10 or 15 minutes, would you look down from the portals of glory and touch these lips of clay? In this house of dirt that my spirit lives in today because I'm nothing without you, But, Lord, there's hungry hearts here today that are searching. There's people that are wandering in a wilderness trying to find the direction of life. Many today have tried this way and that way and just seemed like that way and this way didn't work for them. But I ask you to clothe us with a spirit of humility as we reflect upon the goodness of God today. Your word is always a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. Thank you for your help this morning, Holy Spirit, as we continue the journey of this service and all the praise goes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And again, everybody said, amen. Turning to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6, I want to reflect upon the things that the Apostle Paul had to say to us in this, in this area. And I say this because I'm here today as your shepherd. And I want to tell you what the good shepherd had to say through the voice of the Apostle Paul. And he says these words beginning with verse 1 in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseeches you to walk worthy of the calling which with you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above us all and through us all and in you all. I'm going to, for the, because of the shortness of time, I'm going to read that one more time, and then I'm going to get you to repeat with me the last four words of verse 6. There's one God. There's one Father of, over all of us who's above all and through all, and then he's in you all. I want you to say that. He's in you all. That's about a third of you. I want to get over here. I know this side didn't hear. I want everybody to say it. He's in you all. All right, let's get a little more personal. He's in me too. Well, this other side's laid down on me. Let me get over here. I want you to say this. He's in me, and I really mean it this time. I'm watching you, Don. He's in us. Every, it doesn't matter where we're at. God never leaves us. So he never forsakes us. He's always there. Maybe not in a visual manner, but he always is speaking if we only take the time to listen. I, I want to challenge my church family this morning, the ones that I love because of who you are, not because of what you're doing. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life this morning as you listen to the words that the Apostle Paul gave us. I want to challenge you with these thoughts. Because you serve a great God, I want to ask you this morning, is your thought life great? Are you spending time thinking about great things? Are you wallowing just like many of our politicians are today? 
Where is our thought life this morning? What are you, if I could walk and look you in the eye this morning, could I, and I was to ask you, what are you thinking, Craig? We're blessed. How about you, Brother Woods? What are you thinking this morning? You'll be glad when I get through, huh? <laughs> I got his number. He always gets even, though. I'm going to leave him alone. Listen, all right, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we have such a big God, why do we think so small? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all. I can think big. I can imagine big. What does the scripture says? Now to him that is able to do. What are we doing with our thought process? Are we dreaming about getting out of the hole? Or are we dreaming about what we're going to do when we get out of the hole? Are we dreaming that we're going to trust a big, great, big, big father who loves us because of who we are, not because of what we can do? Listen, God's word today says his love cannot be measured in the measure of mankind. His forgiveness can't be measured as far as the east is from the west. is not to be measured by mankind. But listen, if he's able to do far more than I can even think or ask, then where is my thought process? Think about this. Because God is a great God, we can think great thoughts with confidence knowing that the thoughts can never be greater than God. Scripture says, and this is a confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we have the petitions we desire. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a voice that's speaking to us already. Well, I waited 10 minutes, and he hadn't said anything yet. <laughs> Lord, I'll give you another five before I take action. I wish I, my brother-in-law was here. I would enjoy his face getting red. I've told it on him before. But he was having trouble with an elder in his church one day, and the elder just would not, I mean, everything that he wanted to do as a pastor, the elder would veto it. And one day, he was telling me the story. He said, I got down on my knees to pray one day, Orville, and he said, I told God, I'm giving you three more days to take care of this man, and if you don't, I will. And he said, so I did. <laughs> you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all did that. It's just funnier when somebody else does it, right? Yeah. Listen, God is a great big God. And everybody thinks, you know, well, I'm just not going to tell God about this. Listen, he already knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. And I want to say this. If he can do exceeding abundantly and above all I'm able to think or ask, and I wonder if I've employed him to do great things or small things. How about this? As we study the Bible and read the mighty book of Acts, we marvel at the greatness and claim to believe that he can do anything. But then it comes to a spiritual crisis. And some believers, including myself, allow their thought process to become small and reduce them in dignity and power and act as though God is no longer all-powerful. I hear this often. Pastor, why isn't the Lord healing the sick? He's still healing the sick. Maybe not in the magnitude we want to see him, but I'm telling you, he's still all-powerful. Hebrews 13.6, I said, I think it's Hebrews 13.6. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know the God that we serve? He went to the graveyard one day, and he spoke to Lazarus, who had been dead. He had been dead for four days. Even his family says he's a stinker by now. And Jesus, he raised him from the dead. He said, Lazarus, get out of that grave. And he did. Let me ask you, how many relatives would you like to see? this morning <laughs> thank you for three people that got the joke listen god is all powerful he's he's more than a byword today 
The world only knows God by using his name in vain. But I want my church family to know he's the great I am. He's the Alpha and Omega. He said one day in the book of Genesis, let there be light, and light spread across this world. He said, let, let there be. He just went all through the book of, of Genesis. He said, let there be, and according to his word, it happened. Let me ask you this something. If he created the heavens and the earth, and you and I in the form of him, I wonder today how short of a distance my ammunition is going. Anybody ever had a Red Ryder BB gun besides myself? I shot so many BBs through mine that it undoubtedly the mainspring began to weaken because I still remember cocking the BB gun, and I could roll that barrel, and I could hear the BBs rolling, and when you'd pull the trigger, if you had the barrel sloped just a little bit, the BB would fall out of the end of the barrel. And I'd always say, good shot, buddy, good shot. It just didn't go anywhere. The mainspring... Something, I'm not a gunsmith, but I'm t- I can tell you, that, that BB gun was trash. It lost its power. Did you know Jesus knew that we would need the power of the Holy Spirit? Not only to guide us into all truth, but to empower so that in the days of discouragement and defeat, we could mount up with wings as eagles. We could run and not be weary. We could walk and not faint. When we had no words, we didn't know how to pray, which way to turn or which way to go. The spirit of truth would show up and give us a prayer language that I can't even understand today. And it's called a gift. When it comes to a spiritual crisis, when it comes to a family crisis sometimes, and it seems like everything we've tried has failed, try Jesus. He's never failed. He's the author, the finisher of your faith. He wants to activate what he's already given to you. The Bible says he's given to all of us a measure of faith. And then he says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, every time I walk into Jared's Sunday school class, I know my elevator's going to go up spiritually because I'm listening to the Word of God. Every time I turn my, my uh, CD on and I hear some, some CDs that I've ordered because it's ministry to me, it lifts me up. Every time I turn that on, traveling down the highway, my elevator goes up. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. And he said, he that comes to God must believe that he is, a re- he is and he, that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. Listen, listen to me. I'm not, I'm not telling you this because of what you can do. I love you for who you are. But let me tell you this. God is love, and he wants you to know that he's here to love on you because he's, you're special. You know how special he is? He created you in his own image. How special is that? Has our, let me ask you a question. I know your children was probably different than mine. Uh, but how many has ever taken your children somewhere and and uh, one of them threw a fit and you were embarrassed? Well, we saw a mommy this morning in the fellowship hall that wasn't, and she uh, corrected her son in a way that a lot of people don't correct. I was, I'm really honoring you. But I had honor for her before she corrected her son this morning. After my knee surgery, I went in for my first therapy. 
And she says, I just want to tell you something, Pastor. Over to church, you're my pastor, but here I'm your therapist. I wonder if the Lord wouldn't just like to get a hold of us today and do a little therapeutic work on our spirit, soul, and mind. (laughs) I'm telling you, she began to work on me until I almost cried. She didn't know how bad she was hurting me. I I was acting like a hypocrite, acting like it's feeling good. Bring more on. And inside I was saying, Jesus, forgive me for lying to this lady. And she'd walk out, I'll see you in two days. (laughs) And I'd think if I'm still living. (laughs) I'm here today because of that lady. And you know what? You're here today because of Jesus. You're not here by accident. You're not here because this is a church out in the country and nobody's going to see you. You like to come out here because your friends don't know where you're going to church. You didn't think I knew that, did you? And you're not here today by coincidence. Sometimes we just forget that God has all authority in heaven and earth and that he created us to be like him. In fact, just let me take a moment this morning to tell you what John 14, 12, how many believe that God is a great big God? Just, just I mean, just, I'm not going to ask you any personal. Just let me see. There's, a, there's at least a half of you. There's two-thirds of you. That's three-fourths, 90%. I mean, we're getting there. Then I want, you, I want you to listen to what he says about you, and this is the reason he gave you the keys of the kingdom. John 14, 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do and even greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. He's talking about you, the church. And listen to this, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And I love this one. Verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Don't try to keep those commandments if you don't have love in your heart. I've met a few people that just failed to stay in front of the mirror long enough to look that guy over real good that they were looking in the mirror. And they left before they realized who that was. And the main reason they left before they should have is because they didn't like that guy in the mirror. And Jesus wanted to help them. And you know what? We'll all struggle with this love affair until we get to the place we can love God for who we are and what he's doing and for what he wants to do. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm enjoying this message more than you are this morning. I'm really getting some down-home stretch looks this morning. I'm telling you, I'm telling you how great our Father is. Let me ask you some questions. Let me talk to you about your thought process this morning. You tell me what you think about God. And I'll tell you how great your thinking is. Question number two, let me talk to you about your vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, people perish. I'll tell you, I tell the people quite often, I see this building full one day. 
not because I'm here, but because the Holy Spirit drew people from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And because he's a great I am, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And there's a transforming power that's taking place through the power of the Holy Spirit, and your life is preaching whether your words are or not. Oh, I love this. I love this. Your life is in demand, and you don't even realize it. The bad part is you're on the endangered species list. There's only one of you, and the devil would like to kill you. He's got you in the scope of his rifle this morning. And John 10, 10 says he comes to seek and to save. He comes to seek, to kill and destroy. Kill, kill, steal, and destroy those who love Jesus. Yeah. And that's his business. He wants to kill your desire to come to church. He wants to kill your joy to be. Uh, he wants to kill your joy so you, you're not happy. He wants to bring disenchantment. The Bible says he wants to bring confusion to your house. And where there's division and com- com- confusion, there's all kinds of evil works that goes on in our house yes. when we're confused. Thinking for a moment, questioning ourselves today in this journey of life, and, and the, reason I'm, the reason the message is like this is I love you for who you are, not what you can do. I love you because I, I know many of you are just like me. At this stage of the game, I need all the help that I can get. But the Bible says he's a present help in time of need. When the burden of life gets so heavy, I can't carry it. First Peter 5, 7 says, let me carry the load. Put it all on me. Well, Lord, you just don't understand. Oh, Really? How many of just, you just be honest. Don't, please don't raise your hand. I don't want you to know that I'm trying to find out how many think like I do. But how many just don't want to trouble God? You're unhappy this morning. You just don't like the way the boat's going. I'm telling you, the, the, it just seems like the, the, the hair on the back of the cat's going the wrong direction, and you're, you refuse to turn the cat the other way. <laughs> so you're really enjoying this season of being unhappy. Well, let me tell you something. I love you for who you are, and so does Jesus. And one day you're gonna, one day you're gonna turn the cat around. <laughs> one day, if if you know, my dad pastored in, in Texas for a number of years, and there was a flour mill in in Lubbock, Texas, and they made they made flour. You know, at, at that time we bought flour in twenty five pound bags, and they were cloth bags, and they had all kinds of uh, uh, they were printed materials what they were and people would save these sacks so my mother could make four shirts alike for the four white boys that lived at the white house their motto on gold metal flower their motto was this eventually one day everybody will use gold metal because gold metal was as good as it could you could find anywhere and i thought if a flour mill that makes meal that has no spirit it just has a good taste and if there's a vision and leadership, if eventually everybody in the world will use gold metal, then let's bring that vision to the church. If eventually everybody's going to get saved, why not now? Oh, don't shout me down now. Don't shout me down now because I'm telling you, we need to go back to the mirror and look in the, at the guy in the mirror and, and ask ourselves this question. What seems to be wrong today? I'm telling you, God, is in the 
God is in the, in the business of reorganizing our life and reconstructing our life. And here's what he says. The day we be, became born again, we became brand new people on the inside. And for those that want to know where that's found, it's in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If there's just one thing in your life that's stealing from you this morning, know the voice of Satan has got your attention. If, there, if you've lost your joy this morning, it's not God's fault. It's not what's coming down the pathway. The enemy has just found an opening in your life, and he's, he's here to steal your joy. If you don't have a desire to serve the Lord anymore, if you don't have a desire to be involved in the things of a church world anymore, then, then the enemy has killed your vision. He shot you between the eye, and your vision is gone today. And he wants you to be a stay-at-home mom or dad. Listen, listen to me. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And God has placed you on planet earth to help everybody that's walking with God to see that no more people go to hell than there possibly can be. And God doesn't send anybody to hell, but people will go to hell if we don't tell them how the goodness of God. Isn't that right? It's awesome. Let me ask another question. Faith? Well, I just don't believe this building will ever be full. Why in the world did they want to build a church out here with a whole 500 people out here away from nowhere. That's crazy. And I wonder if they ever figured how much it would cost to heat and cool this building before they ever built it. No, you know, God put $67,000 in our, in our hand one day, and we said, let's build something for the community. So when there's things bigger than we are, we can say, come on out to the country. God did something we want to share. Very seldom is there a month that goes by, but what there's a hundred, a thousand, eight or ten thousand dollars that comes to this church that doesn't come in from people who attend this church. You know why? It's because we had people that took a, a stand of faith, and they said, God is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we're able to think or ask. Let's build this church. They did it built. And then there's a storehouse fund. And you know what the good part of it is? We don't have to ask you. We, we never ask you for anything special. We just make the need known. And I can tell you why. It's because we have a big, big God. Amen. We have a big, big God. I close this morning. Jared's coming to do our communion for us. But I'd just like to close with this thought. How great is your God this morning? How great is he in your personal life, your personal problems? Paul says, I know how to abound. I know how to abase. I know how to live when everything's full, and I don't know what it is to go to bed on a, with a hungry stomach. And I know how it is to suffer and be in need. But he ends his benediction with this. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a big, big God. And this man lost his life because he refused to turn away from a big, big God. How about you? How about you? How, what are you thinking this morning? 
Are you well? Are you are you ready for God to expand in your life? Are you ready for Him to take you places you've never been and do things you've never done before? Well, He's ready because He's a big, big God. Jared, come to this front this morning before I start preaching next Sunday's message. Put your hands together as the man of God comes this morning.